Hello and welcome to the Large Format Photography Podcast. I know it's been an age and we think it's either show 59 or show 60, but we're not really sure. 59 and a half. 59B, 59 and a half, we're not sure. Anyway, my name's Andrew Bartram and I'm coming from the glorious Fenlands of Cambridgeshire and we're joined by Eric Mathy. Hello. From San Francisco, somewhere. And we're joined by Monica. We're very pleased to be joined by Monica. Oh, I didn't ask you how to pronounce your surname. Frizzle? Frizzle? Frizzle. Frizzle. Like a Z, but it's spelled with an S, yeah. Oh, I should have asked. I thought that was an easy one. Frizzle. And Adam Share, as in Sunny End. Hello, Adam. Hello, Monica. Hello. Hi. And where are you guys at the moment? Because you're nomadic, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Um, Right now we're in uh, near a town called Low Gap, North Carolina in yeah. the states okay. yeah. that's a great name is it literally like at a low gap low gap yep mm-hmm. it is actually it's right oh. along the blue mountain um parkway yeah we're a one ridge over from the blue ridge parkway yeah so right at the south end of appalachia and like virginia is like right there and the blue ridge mountains of virginia that sort of thing yeah on the range of the lonesome pine yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. It's Laurel and Hardy from the 30s. Yeah. I'll sing it if you like. No, I won't sing it. Yes. Sing it. No, no. no. Um, Appalachian Mountains, that's where all the Scots and Irish came over from the UK and brought all their mountain music, didn't they? Oh, yeah. And so is that 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 city that we're picking, picking banjos and things. Yeah. yeah, this is like a lot of the heart of a lot of that apparently is here, which I didn't know until I got here. And then I started yeah. reading more yeah. about it. And Sounds seeing... like a great topic for photographs. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Hopefully want, we'll come back. We, we were here for going. most of the winter and it was just snow <laughs> and it was like ice and snow. And basically we just froze for a little while. <laughs> Wait, if you're nomadic, why did you choose someplace with ice and snow? Oh, you know, we're well, smart. When we finished the camper in like January and we were up outside of Hudson, New York. And that, I mean, that was cold. That was oh, like yeah. five degrees. Yeah. Um, the, and then we got in touch with this place and they were like, yeah, you can come, you know, park the trailer here and stuff like that. The week before we got here, it was like 65 degrees and sunny. And then a massive storm dumped a bunch of snow and then it was cold for the next like month. Yeah. So it's made, this is it was like unseasonably cold and wet. They were even very surprised yeah. and just sort of like we can't do anything. Like you know, so, they're not used to that kind of weather. And the idea was to come here and warm up. It yeah. Did not <laughs> so working out for we'll me. be in Savannah next week, and that will be warm. Yeah. That sounds like it should be warmer. Are you yeah. are you snow snowbirds or have you got to be old and gray like me to be a snowbird? Next year we will be snowbirds, yeah. but mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll use that term. But I'm insisting on being in the Southwest next year. You could be a young snowbird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate so, goal, really, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Who needs? Who wants to work? Anyway, yeah. before we uh, before we dive in, because we're we're starting to talk about your nomadic existence, and folks may not even know about that yet. But yeah. shall we just thank? Eric, if we can remember who we had on last, our last guest. And we think it was Ethan Moses. We think it was Ethan Moses. I'm and pretty we sure it was that, Ethan we, Moses. We think that might be show 59, but you might have to go onto YouTube to find it because it was one of our virtual gatherings in the we forest. actually YouTube stuff? Yeah. Holy well, crap, I, couldn't see I didn't it on, even know I that. Couldn't, I couldn't see it on the podcast. It's because it's all 
we had about a dozen different people joined in and we had a you know a, a virtual meeting and uh, ethan came on to talk about his instant 20 by 24 polaroid oh yeah backs you know that thing is his, so dope ethan is i think we popped in don't for say that don't, don't say, say, don't say so that dope cool. what's wrong with you <laughs> it's sick oh sick. and that one don't say that either <laughs> So two, okay, let's get this straight. Two <laughs> words that are banned, okay, from your lone Brit here is sick. And I, it, not if you're ill, because I understand. You can say if you're poorly, you know, you can say you're sick. But, and dope, because it's just. Okay. Can I say that's yeah. ill? Because that is also a, a term. Yeah, <laughs> No, you can't say that either. Oh, the list expands. Man. Just speak English. I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep up with all that. <laughs> Me either. And anyway, I live thank here. You. Thank you very yeah. much, Ethan. Um, and we should also mention, because he's not here, is he? And no. it's taken us about 10 minutes to not mention him. <laughs> because the whole of our is so huge. Dear old Simon, we, we, Simon, we're planning on making such a hash up of this podcast. I think, that you, I think we already have. That you want to come back and take charge. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're glad to be the guinea pigs for <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for being <laughs> So um, let's let's inject some order into things. So I reached out to Monica and Adam on Twitter, I think, last year sometime when it, when they popped up on Twitter. I guess it was Twitter uh, as the nomadic photo arc project, which is kind of touring around to in a, a glorious road trip with a trailer dark photographing people. That's kind of in a nutshell. So we tried to get them on and then it didn't happen because, you know, we took a bit of a break and it's taken us four months to get back to you all. But we're very pleased that they're here. So um, Monica and Adam, welcome again. Thank you. We will get on to the um, photo art project fairly swiftly, but you guys have both got interesting pasts that led you to that point. And I think they seem to uh, certainly you monica well you're, you're kind of synergistic you two aren't you you know you you're the sum of the the whole is great yeah the sum of the parts <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely we, we, that was a great that was a great analogy so i'll start ladies first monica tell us a little bit about your journey to uh, to this point you know from uh, from early days with ralph gibson Oh tell yeah. Us, tell um, us what he was really oh wow, like you actually well. read my yeah. Okay. Seattle. Seattle. Ralph Gibson, New York. Um, yeah. At Twenty five. You went back to Seattle, and then you worked in a lab, and then I've got more yeah. stuff written down. So there you go. Yeah. So I. Well, you basically just said it all. Um. No. I know. I, know. I grew up in Seattle, and then I started photographing um, in high school, and was always kind of pretty much just had like a 35 millimeter with me all the time. And then my father is a musician and um, he met, so this was like, you know, a connection through my dad to meet Ralph who like ended up starting to give me these critiques. Like he was like, you should move to New York. And I was like, okay. So I moved to New York and then I ended up meeting him every week for like a little while or every two weeks or something. And he was doing these crits with me, which was pretty incredible, but it was also such a different way of shooting than how I've progressed. Right. Cause like the way he shoots is abstract. It's all like zone five. Our dog is whimpering. Can you hear her? Eric's rabbits off in a minute. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, fine. We're, we're pet friendly. Are we full? What? Can I pull the heater in. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so then, anyway, so I was in New York for a while. I went to school there, but never really finished. And then, um, all the while, kind of still shooting. I photographed a lot of musicians. I. I don't know. It's just always shooting. But as digital was taking over, I was sort of being like right when I got into college, um, they were sort of starting to phase out film. So this was in 2005, like in teaching it, at least in mm. school. And that was a pretty big detriment to me because I don't like doing digital work like pretty much at all. And um I was taking a Photoshop class and I was like, this is not why I fell in love with photography in the first place. I was always in the lab in high school. And like when I moved into my first apartment, I like walled off this weird corner of my apartment with like really heavy sheeting and like had this dark room in there that like barely worked. But I sort of was, <laughs> I think I just found some of those prints recently and was like, wow, that actually <laughs> like there was something there. But anyways, I've always been kind of just obsessed with that being part of the image through the whole process um and digital doesn't i don't have that same feeling which i think you guys can probably relate to some of that or some people can um where am i now then I, yeah so then i moved back to seattle um and started working at a lab at panda photo lab and that was like a crash course in all of it because i was doing black and white printing for them and then I was running their E6 machine and their black and white processing machine doing film. And, um, and I was sort of doing those three things at the same time, you know, and the, the black and white machine was a big reframe dip and dunk machine. Mm -hmm. And then the E6 was just a roller transport kind of, I guess, I don't, I don't actually remember what that was, but and then, and then I was printing like, you know, other people's negatives, which is also one of the best ways to learn how to print in my opinion. Um, cause I would get some pretty crappy negs. I was going to say, um, that's gotta be really difficult. I, yeah. Uh, is this, be. is this the kind of bespoke printing where the printer forms a bit of a relationship with the photographer? So you say, well, okay, you give me this negative. What, what, what was, what was on your mind? What, what possessed you to make this image and what, yeah. what, what were you visualizing as the final output? Cause I've got to, I've got to make it, haven't I? You know, you've got to yeah. take it and do something. Yeah. Like there was, cause we had the main client that I was, it was mainly just one person that I was printing for. And she was just photographing pretty much the same thing. I shouldn't say anything bad, but the negs were very all over the place for being shot all in the same location or in the same lighting. And I always found that very interesting <laughs> that there was no consistency to the next, but like I actually negatives. thank her for this. Yeah. But I thank her for this because I learned like how to make all of the, all the prints had to look consistent and exactly the same, even if the negatives were not consistent. So you had to mm -hmm. learn how to like split, you know, I did a lot of split filtering and dodging and burning. And just like, I learned all these tricks from, Dana, who was the guy that worked, that owned it and um, owned the lab at the time. And he, he just was so patient with me and just kept teaching me through that whole time. And I mean, I miss working at, in labs. It's a pretty awesome, I think every photographer should have that opportunity because <laughs> it's just such a, you just have to churn it out. So you're just doing it 
it's like that 10,000 hours kind of rule of a skill, you know. Yeah, there's not many opportunities, I guess, these days. No, know, I don't think uh, so. But. We have, um, there's a an online store in the UK called Analog Wonderland, and they just opened their Wonder Lab. Yes, get, get <laughs> it. Wow. And, um, <laughs> they've been hiring, so, you know. But I think, I don't think there's any hand printing going on, you know, it's all yeah. printing the machines, but, you know, yeah, good opportunity for folks. So what yeah. what um, what year are we up to now? Because I know in 2013 you ended up with a residency at the Vermont Studio. Yes. So that, yeah, and that was essentially when I left the lab was when I went to do the residency. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I worked, I was accepted into their like year-long program. So I was basically just called a staff artist, but you work 20 hours a week and then they give you a studio and you're in charge of, I was in charge of like making sure all the visual artists were taken care of when they came and we had 50 artists come in every month. So VSC is one of the large, one of the larger residency programs in the States. And it's really, I mean, that was a very life changing place because you get to be influenced by painters, by writers, sculptors, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there would only be maybe two photographers a month. So I wasn't really involved with many photographers, but like, I mean, some of my very close friends are from there and they're like writers and painters and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it, that was really awesome. But then I decided I wanted to finish school finally. <laughs> and that was when I visited, I went to Evergreen State College and um, I looked at their lab i like went and toured it and i was like this is a dream (laughs) like they had like 20 black and white um enlargers in this really big dark room and then in the back they had the color processing with all these individual color um you know color print rooms and stuff and and i was like this is where i want to learn and and then so i ended up going there and i took one class and then the following year i just interned with the um with Hugh Lentz who was the um photo director at the time and he so it was basically just me and him and we just ran the lab and I would like teach or print and make stuff and it was just that was another dream because like you just could go shoot and immediately go back and just process whatever you wanted and then print whatever you wanted and I had 24 24 7 access to that and that was like Another thing that I miss sometimes. A but. lab that they've they've even snap snazzly named Photoland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Photoland. Which is kind of yeah. cool. Like it feels like that's that's a store. Like where are you going? I gotta go to Photoland and pick up some film. Yeah. No, no, no. That's yeah. like that's the college darkroom facilities. Did they even yeah. have like a little arc of like Photoland? They did actually. There was a sign somewhere, I think. I think I it changed them. every once in a while, but I wonder what it I haven't been back in a you know, three or four years, so I don't know what it's like now, but I love it there. It was, it was that was really awesome too, and that was where I started doing more portraiture work and stuff. So like that, that is that where you started around uh, about that time? Was that you started doing some intriguingly called laundromat portraits, and then portraits of domestic workers? That was in Sydney, Australia, though. So how, yeah, the, how, <laughs> where, why, where? <laughs> yeah, um, the laundromat portraits was part of the was when I was in Vermont and I was doing these video portraits 
That was a, I don't even know if they're live anywhere right now online, but so that was moving, moving, moving images or moving portraits. Yeah. And that's something if I am going to go into digital, that would be something that I would be more into. Cause these were like these static shots of these people standing in front of, um, their clothes drying. So there was one laundromat in Johnson, Vermont, where VSC was. So I would ask residents to like go and stand in front of their for five minutes, which is an excruciatingly long time for just, many just people. Stand there with, just stand there. This is like Andy Warhol, isn't it? You know, he did yeah, yeah, actually. The sleeping put was it his lover? I don't know. Well, someone was sleeping like for 24 hours. Insane. Yeah. So. Yeah. So people would do it and it was, <laughs> you know, just kind of cool because you'd see all the colors of their clothes just going behind them and then they're just staring and some people kind of hypnotic i'd have thought very hypnotic for i was obsessed with it for a (laughs) while and then and then i um the domestic workers work actually came up because i after that was 2015 um or 14 there was well there was a really big earthquake in nepal right and I think it was 2015 and I went to volunteer there through the summer. And then Mm. I met, um, Laura McManus, who's a writer and she's from Sydney and she was there and we met and then, um, and we started working with an NGO there to like basically photograph domestic workers that were displaced from the, um, earthquake and stuff. So they would, they were moving into Kathmandu from all the surrounding areas and looking for work and we started doing, and this was like really the first time where I started seeing the impact of doing interviews and then portraits and the way that that changes your relationship with the person. And this was all through a translator. So I like, this wasn't even how we do it now, but that was like, I felt like that was a really big shift in like, if I am going to be doing portraiture, there has to be this like element of connection prior because otherwise I don't feel like I can do it. Like it just, I always feel like I'm taking too much from the person or well, something. The, you know, the, you read books on some classic portrait artists and, and they'll say that they're, they'll spend a little bit of time and they'll try and capture the essence of the person. Well, what better way to capture the essence of the person is to combine, you know, talk to them. You know, that's capturing their essence, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And it makes it a lot easier for them to relax in front of the camera because yeah. you've been yeah. absolutely depending on how long you do it, like shooting the shit with them for five, 10, 15, 30 minutes before you're like, Oh yeah, we need to take a portrait. Do you mind? That's and then pull the gear out and say, so sort of like, like walking up to somebody and shaking their hand and go, let me do something really weird with you. Like, yeah, pull the camera. Right. Like, <laughs> what is that thing you're pointing at my face? Especially for us, it's an eight by 10. So it's yeah. not really. Like, yeah. yeah. The, um, and at that time, of, that was still. setting up a giant field camera in and of itself. Like you can chat and be like, oh, you want. The, exactly. Uh, that alone relaxes people. But still, the conversations are important. Yeah. But they I are. This, this project, Out of the Shadows, I think it was called Portraits mm-hmm. of Domestic Workers, um, T- tell us a little bit about that because that was it. That was in Sydney, was it? It was shown in Sydney. Yeah, shown so in they, Sydney. But yeah, where it was you shown, where you... but I f- photographed it in Nepal and Kathmandu oh, okay. within right. like three or four weeks. And, and um, how did you get in? You know, what were the domestic workers? What were their backgrounds? They, I mean, it was kind of the people that we talked to. Man, this feels like so long ago. They. Some of them were 
sort of forced into that work. And then some of them mm. were actually able to, you know, keep their kids going through school with that work. And at the time in Nepal, they were trying, I think there was a, there was a law that they were trying to write in to basically have, you know, minimum work conditions for these people. Cause domestic work is a really difficult thing to define <laughs> because, um, so, and actually protecting those workers is even harder because how do you find these people? Where do they, you know, they're all behind doors a lot of time, a lot of private homes and stuff like that. So it's really difficult to make sure that they're being treated properly. So we heard some really horrible stories about certain people that had been working for families that, you know, would give them like one person was talking about getting a bag of rice that was filled with, uh, like bugs and stuff. And that was the only food that they had for months. And that, but then you went on to the other side where people were actually really, they were able to sort of like get their kids out of poverty and get themselves out of poverty through that work. And it was the woman that was doing the work, not, not the man, which is more traditional that the man would be bringing in all the money. So that, so it was this, I feel like, um, what, what Laura and I wanted to try and show with that is that this work is actually really empowering and it's not, and that was how I tried to photograph those women too, is again, not trying to show like, it's not a sad working, it's not a sad thing to do if people have human decency and treat the person who's helping you be able to go to work and have your kids like fed. But some of those, that some, of those respect. some of those, some of those people, I guess they're mainly women, but I don't know. Um, you know, if they're being fed bags of rice with creepy crawlies in, or it's verging on the human trafficking and slavery is yeah, it at, one, at one end. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. And that was what, so Laura actually ended up moving. I mean, she was in Australia and now she works for um, one of their, like, it's like a Walmart company almost for Australia. And she is in charge of like making sure, um, their supply chain has no like modern day slavery. Slave labor, and stuff like yeah. That. yeah. Okay. So she, she's like really kicking ass over there. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Yeah. But so does that, that lead, that led into this other work, um, which was looking at slavery in the past, present and future, which was also shown yeah. in Sydney. I think was that also a collaboration with Laura? Or was that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As well. That was the, um, that work I haven't, that actually has not been shown. That was in, um, I, cause I was supposed to go back in 2020, um, to continue to work with Fijians and in, um, Queensland, Australia, mm -hmm. but then COVID. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I've completely changed trajectory cause I, I feel like I can't go anywhere for a while, but okay. Yeah. Well, well, hold that thought because yeah. COVID, <laughs> COVID hit, COVID hit, and suddenly all sorts of things changed. And suddenly, Adam, oh, trailer. No, Adam. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, that was a ramble. But no, that wasn't. No, it was fascinating. No. Okay. And I and I think it's it's very much a trajectory you were on, wasn't it? To where to what we're going to be talking about in in a moment. But of course, yeah. the Nomadic Photo Art Project is a joint collaboration, and um, Adam. We, I won't mention the cycling. Well, we'll chat with you because you've got lots of similarities when it comes to cycling, although I think yours was the digital cameras. So uh, what about you, 
uh, Adam, how did you, um, what, what's your story and how did you come to um, be part of the photo art project? Well, the, this, I mean, the cycling is a big part, so, but we'll yeah. jump yeah. that later. Um, so, I mean, both my folks are, you know, in some way, creatives or media. My dad works, uh, worked in, at NPR in Seattle for, you know, the public radio station in Seattle for 30 years. Okay. So, yeah. And I went to a high school with uh, a radio station as well. <laughs> nice. And a photography studio and a photography photo lab. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so high school was, you know, I only did one semester of photography in high school, but I, I mean, I loved it. I used my dad's Canon that he bought, who knows when, um, that we, no, no, we don't have that. We sent it back, but we you know, used that till, you know, a year ago, but that's kind of the basis for, you know, kind of what I'm bringing in terms of, uh, I hate to use the word deliverables, but, <laughs> um, in terms of like the, the stuff we put out is the, you know, the, um, a little bit of photography background, but mainly the, um, you know, audio yeah. interviewing and the audio, uh, editing and a little bit of the social media stuff. I have a, my, my college was in graphic design. Um, but you the did, cycling you, is a huge, what's that? I was going to say you did this. I, I, I was only kidding. And we are going to talk about cycling. Because it's fascinating. You. It's like, it's like <laughs> a, a road trip, but with effort, isn't it? Uh, San Diego, <laughs> Seattle, Seattle, yeah. Seattle to Seattle to San Diego, um, mm -hmm. in two, 2000, uh, was either 11 10. or 17. I can't work it out. 10, is it? Uh, 11, that's, a, that's a long way. Yeah. That's a long way. That's pretty mm -hmm. much down the whole of the American. It's the oh, whole coast, dear yeah. God, did West you end coast. up spending a bunch of time on Highway 1 uh, along the coast? In Northern California, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's beautiful and Man, my scariest moment on the bike was Highway 1 in uh, Fort Bragg, uh, just outside oh, yeah. Fort Bragg. But I got, I got I, passed by an RV that hadn't taken their steps in. Oh. <laughs> um, so... You know, the image is, you know, the RV passes me. Thankfully, they gave me enough space because they're, the steps to get into their RV are still out and down and would have just been in the shoulder and, and hit me. Um, yeah, but, and, you know, I, and so there's, there's that trip in, in 20, 2011 and a shorter trip the year before and a shorter trip the year after, kind of all in the Pacific Coast. Um, and I, you know, in some ways, so, but that trip in 2011 was probably, the first trip, I think the only trip where I took uh, a digital SLR with me and a laptop because I had a small one. Um, but I've always documented those trips in some way. Uh, did you document either, it with like Eric when he did his, his his trips? When you're meeting folks on the way, did you did you do that or did you just was it more unstructured? No, no not really like that. I mean, I doc you know I, I you know some pictures of the folks that I met and rode with. Cause that trip in 2011 was pretty special and that, you know, um, that is a, you know, highway of cyclists in the oh, fall. Yeah. Um, especially in the fall mm -hmm. when I rode, because it's also when folks are doing the entire length of the, of the coast, like both continents, the Alaska to Argentina. Yeah. Um, that's when they hit the Pacific coast is September. So you're riding with, you know, I started by myself. Um, from San Francisco on, we were riding with, I was riding with 12 other people, um, every day and we were staying together all the time and no, not everyone had started solo. Um, and so I document the people I rode with. Um, but yeah. no, for the most part, it was the ride itself, the, the landscapes and the, and the cities that we went through. Did that go 
smoothly and no um you didn't have any hiccups or uh, aggressive no, other than any more aggressive drivers because you know a bunch of cyclists on the road that's a red rag to a bull isn't it sometimes you know i know it's fine thanks, get out of the way was like, what are you the, doing the, on the only road? the only scary moment there's a the, a the scary moment was in uh when i hit a you know going down a hill you know probably too fast probably about 50 50 miles an hour and I uh, hit a hit a bump in the road, and my handlebar bag wasn't snapped all the way, and I almost jettisoned my camera onto the highway, um, <laughs> but I didn't. I stopped. I snapped it shut, and we were, we were good to go. But um, that was a I mean, that was the first long trip that I did, and then I in a, if you want me to fast forward, or you can fast forward, but twenty um, uh, summer of twenty fourteen, I did three months in in Europe. So, uh, oh, nice. uh, we rode from Brussels to Lisbon and then I rode kind of zigzag back, back up through Portugal and took the train back across, uh, Spain and, you know, the corner of Spain and France and right. back into Brussels. You'd love Euro to do rail. That, wouldn't you? You'd love to do that. Yeah. Your rail's a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And for I that, I just, I just had my cell phone. I didn't take a camera on that trip at all. That I would not do, but... <laughs> And I was so the closest I've got to that was in two thousand no, not two thousand, um nineteen eighty six, maybe. Yeah. Maybe eighty five. Uh, the the there used to be, I think there might still is, you could buy a ticket for a, a hundred and thirty of your English pounds back in the eighties for an unlimited travel for a month. It's called Interrail. And uh, me and my, my mate from college, we uh I had my OM1 that's, and slide film with me, which was a disaster. Anyway, um, I don't know why I took slide film, but we just we just bummed around Europe. We did. We we were very unprepared. We had um, I had a, a a small thin sleeping bag, which was a sleeping bag liner, and a one man tent, which was like a, a thing that you sort of slid into like a snake. You know, we call those a bivy, like here. a bivy sack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we, 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 my mate Phil said, oh, it's okay. We don't need to take any warm clothing. We'll spend all our time down in the south of France. And okay. So we ended up on Corsica and we hitchhiked through Corsica. And then we came back and on a boat to the mainland. And uh, no jokes, we ended up sleeping. Uh, I remember sleeping in a builder's site, uh, several park benches underneath the leaning tower of Pisa one night. <laughs> Uh, and then we just headed north. We headed up into Norway from the south of France on the train. And of course, it's cold there. So we were we were taking night trains everywhere, but we, we couldn't afford to have sleeper carriages. So we would go and um, before the train started, we'd go and steal the SNCF railway blankets that were in the sleeping compartment. And then the guard would come around early in the morning, see that we'd got these purloined um, blankets and he'd pull them off us. You know. So. But you know that was. He would pull them off of you. Is that yeah, how you learned yeah. how to sleep? He like, basically said. He basically said in French, "You thieving little so and so, give me that blanket back." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's genius yeah, though to take you up at trains because they're warm everywhere. Yeah, we would go to major capitals and just sit in the railway station and look to see which train was going somewhere in Europe. Didn't matter where. And as long as it was going overnight, because we didn't have to spend any money on campsites or, well, we couldn't afford yeah. hotels, you know, or That's hostels awesome. even. Yeah. yeah, Europe was, that was probably the easiest uh, 
trip to find free places just to set up the tent because yeah um it was you know spain and portugal they they didn't care at all really where you where you slept um as long as you're polite clean and uh i mean same same in france so the france they seem very they just you know they all seem fairly just either indifferent or genuinely interested in what we were doing and why we were on this trip because we weren't on any major um any major cycle rounds. We were just kind of winging it. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. Missed, missed that. That was a cool trip. I'm sure it was. Were you photographing at all then or? Just on the phone, just on the cell phone. Yeah. We didn't, okay. I didn't take a camera on the trip. So next trip. No, it's, I, it's very, yeah. it's very sensible to take just a phone. I mean, who'd want to take a large format camera on a bicycle trip? Okay. Nobody, who's, nobody <laughs> thinking who's smart. about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, very smart people would, would do that. So you, um, yeah. but then you had an accident, didn't you? I I'm did, surprised yeah. you hadn't had one before now. After <laughs> I mean, I've had, I had had accidents before, but nothing quite as bad. I mean, I crashed my bike before because, I mean, I rode in Seattle in traffic all the time. Yeah. So, you know, minor, minor things and, you know, bumps and bruises. Yeah. But so it was, uh, I did, um, I spent three days, four days outside of Portland doing, um, so Adventure Cycling Association is a, organization in the states and they do a lot of they do a lot of cool stuff they do uh tours and and uh provide maps for routes for traveling Mm -hmm. on my bike in the states they also do a lot of advocacy um just to make the roads safer like bike uh you know signed bike routes removing those awful rumble strips from the side of the road that serve no purpose um (laughs) and so i did their leadership training course outside of portland to um hopefully lead tours for them and on the ride back to the train station, um, you know, man, like that's six thirty, seven in the morning. So riding directly into the sun, no shoulder, two lane, you know, county road. Um, someone hit me. They 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 didn't see me at all. The sun's right in their face, so they they hit me. Their mirror hit me on the back of my uh, arm, back of my, my elbow, and just launched me from the bike. And I landed on my tailbone and wrenched over. So I ended up breaking my back in in two places. So compression fractures so no no surgery no anything quite that serious but bed rest and you know it's off the really in a ride for probably eight months nine months mm-hmm. so that was yeah yeah it's, you know sort of a crime now it's a chronic you know it's a chronic thing the bones are you know the doctor was like your bones are actually stronger than before but it's all this you know all the everything around it yeah <laughs> Now your bones are strong like bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, not so much. And so that was twenty. That was spring of twenty fifteen. And then I didn't do any traveling on the bike until winter of twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. When I rode, uh, so I took the train. I took the Coast Starlight, which you should take if you want to do an Amtrak route and see all your friends in, on the West Coast. Um, yep. And that I took that from Seattle to Los Angeles. Um, no sleeper car, just hanging out in the observation deck for like 36 hours. Is it one of those big glass on, observation deck? That big glass observation yeah, deck? Yeah, yeah, they, they have one of those. Those are the really, best. Really those are really, those are the yeah. best places to spend it. How long is that train journey then? How long does that take? If you don't get off? 40 hours. Okay. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not nothing. Um, <laughs> and I got off in Los Angeles at 10 o'clock at night and, mm-hmm. Couldn't find a place to stay, so I rode till 
three in the morning and slept by the side of the road and got up at six o'clock and kept going. Uh, but I rode from Los Angeles to um, to Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, nice in the in the wow. winter. So the Southern Tier, what they call the Southern Cross. Yeah, the Southern Tier, on and off of it. Um, cool. I mean, those those route, you know, the mapped routes are, are nice, um, but it, I still like, I'd, in a lot of ways, much rather plan my own right. um, path for a lot of that stuff. Um, and that was, I skipped West Texas. I didn't do West Texas. I took a train through West Texas because I was by myself and it was, you know, just one straight road the whole time. And it was oh, yeah. just kind of, it was just, yeah. it's on really pretty in the like, car, but. On a bike, it's like the week myself. of Texas, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was um, the last big trip that I did. And also on that trip, because you know, the, Every time I trip, so while I was doing all those those travels, I was just working in in Seattle at a pizza restaurant, a local pizza chain, and you know, the perfect job for that because especially before I went into management, which was you know in some ways great, in some ways the worst choice I ever made. Um, <laughs> but when I was just delivering pizza or serving, you, I can just go. I'm going to be gone for three months, uh, and there's going to be a job when I come back, mm-hmm. so I could travel and save and, and come back and work and save. Um, but you know, the goal was always, how do I travel in some way and continue to do it? Um, and I, and so it was funny when we, cause we've only, we met it a year ago, pretty much exactly. Mm-hmm. And when she explained the project to me, I was like, that's exactly what I've been thinking about doing. Um, well, you were on this, it was fate, wasn't it? You two were going to meet yeah. and you know, you're, you've clearly got a, a severe case of wonder lust uh, adam <laughs> and yeah. uh and monica yeah kind of you've been you've um you've traveled but not quite some not quite like adam he's got it bad hasn't he so yeah. you, yeah, you, you guys yeah, you, how did you guys ways. how did you guys meet and how did the how did the uh you, you can skip all the uh, gory no we'll do it we've want, been on tinder can, can give us a clean version <laughs> It was a, yeah, it was a good old swipe right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're a modern yeah, couple. Yeah, Tinder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we were both in Seattle. I was living in the mother-in-law apartment at my parents because um, I had separated from a partner in April, and so I'd just been living with, with them. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we, I mean, we met, like, I mean, you know, we, both, both of our online presence at that point was we love to travel and, you know, make art and, and yeah. stuff. So we were, I mean, that yeah. instantly attracted us to each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think yeah, it's great. And, it was a good and I was Thank in, you. I had gone back up to Seattle to build the arc um, with a friend of mine who was a mechanic. And um, so you'd started the project. Hang on a minute. So you'd started the project before you swiped right or whoever swiped. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how these things yeah. work. You know? yeah, if, me and the, if me and the present Mrs. Warboy, <laughs> if, if, if the present Mrs. Bartram ever leaves me, then I'll have to swipe right or left. Or oh, God. I just have to make sure I go the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I had, because um, about two years ago I had moved. So a month before, like, all the shutdowns really took place for COVID, I had moved to New Mexico Wow. And um, and I had sort of 
pretty much sold everything and was like, I'm going to buy some tiny apartment and I never want to have an overhead ever again in my life. And, um, and I like, I mean, I've been on, I've never really stayed any place longer than like eight, nine months or something. I generally am constantly moving or driving somewhere else. And, um, but anyways, in New Mexico, when COVID hit, it was like a really terrifying thing to me to think that I couldn't freely move about. So I, I bought this truck cause I was like, well, I can sleep out of the truck. I can live out of this truck. I can like have this as my home. And so I just started slowly building the truck up kind of starting in May of 2020. And I like, my folks are in Brooklyn. So, you know, at the beginning of that, it's just like March and February and April in New York were pretty horrifying to witness mm, from the outside. Mm. And I was just like lost in the desert, like alone, you know, they're like social distance. And I'm like, cool, there's nobody here anyways. I'm in this tiny town and like, it's deserted essentially. <laughs> and, um, but it was a really, it was also a really cool. I mean, I sort of am thankful to a lot of that time too, because it just, I started shooting for myself more again. And then I also sort of manifested this arc dream during those first so six months. Had you started using a large format camera at that point or was that? Yeah. I had started shooting four by five, like seven years ago or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that had been my primary camera that, and mm. then a Hasselblad and those were just my two like, every day, so to speak. Um, and then I'd been wanting to make the eight by 10 leap for a long time, but I was like, how do I deal with processing all that? How do I, because four by five, I could still kind of do myself really yeah. easily. It's, you know, it's, right. it's actually quite small now yep. to me. Um, <laughs> it's tiny. Yeah. It's it like tiny. <laughs> and, um, and then I, I did another trip in the fall of 2020. I drove from, New York all the way to Oregon, all on dirt roads. It was 6,000 miles of dirt roads called the Trans-America Trail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that I just decided I was like, I just was going to shoot with, I had a medium format camera, and that was all I shot with. And then I bought an 8x10 while I was in the middle of that trip because <laughs> I was like, this is, I want to do this. I need to do this. So I bought one, and then I had it delivered to me in, in Oregon. And that was the start of my shooting eight by 10 was just like a year ago, I guess, essentially. And you were very, it, um, just going out to buy film sheet film holders for eight by 10 cameras very soon. You've spent the same as another camera, yeah. haven't you? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nuts. But the guy, like I, and I had sort of, I'd always wanted, like I wanted a, you know, a burly camera that could handle my heavy hand and, um, <laughs> And I had seen Kodak Masters in the past, and that was, like, pretty much the only thing I had in my head was that one. And I just – it was – I felt like it was fate because, like, you don't see them. And then this guy popped up, and I was like, oh, yeah. So I just bid on it, and then the guy emailed me, and he was the owner of that Cat Labs place out of Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. So he ended up putting, like, the whole kit for me together, and it was wow. – he made it really easy, and I just was – 
really, I'm really thankful to that because they're, they're, they're piecing great those guys, kits we... together can be. They have, some fan, they have some fantastic <laughs> stuff coming up on their site. Yeah. They're very helpful. They're like the Jobo experts as well, aren't they? Yeah. And yeah. Healand, yeah. He, they do the Healand, is it Healand um, heads for enlargers and stuff. And mm-hmm. I had a problem with my CPE too, where the little chicken foot things was had stopped working. And he, he, <laughs> the guy emailed, you know, they have a little chicken's foot, don't they? It changes the yeah. direction of the drum. And yeah. there was a problem with that. It was very simple. All I had to do was screw it tighter or looser. But he helped me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's always good, quick to respond guys. to Yeah, me. absolutely. So we, we recommend JP, uh, Cat Labs. What do they call it? Cat Labs of JP or something? Cat Labs JP. Yeah. Side note, the Transamerica Trail is very bikeable. Yeah. Have you done it's it? It's actually right? more a motorcycle ride, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. I have not. Have you done, have not have done, done some of it? No. Mm-mm. No, my my east to west was on road from Seattle to DC. So you were you were living in New Mexico. Uh, you got, clearly got itchy feet, and you bought a truck to go and live in. Because why wouldn't you? Uh, did you not think of just living, <laughs> doing the snowbird thing? You know, following it and maybe what are the the kids now? They start a YouTube because t- how do you pay for fuel, though, gas, and food? Yeah, so now you you get a ask do a yeah, YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> we're still figuring that out we're still figuring that out you go a no, youtube um, channel don't you and then you get advertising and people start paying you that's doing you gobs yeah, of money so easy yeah. so easy do a whole other hour on no i think influencers I, if you want yeah yeah right no um yeah i don't that i i don't know why that didn't i mean i guess that was kind of that's like kind of the ultimate goal is like because I bought some land down there. So, like, I have a spot in New Mexico, but it doesn't have anything on it. It's just a bare piece of desert. But <laughs> but it's yours. Um, but it's mine. It's ours. Yeah, so it's like... And so, I mean, ultimately, you know, I would that would be kind of how I would... And it's, like, kind of central in the States, if you think of it. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of kind of near this, you know, it's... A three a three day hard drive to the east coast and a three day hard drive to the west and like okay um and but then i i don't yeah i just i never really wanted to be anywhere i didn't really want to have my feet too stuck to anything so yeah so you bought the trailer so i bought the trailer and then and i was like well the one thing i really want to be able to do is is work in a studio and work in my own space and and i had tried mobile darkroom situations in a previous like in 2016 i lived out of an rv an 80s rv and i had tried processing film out of that and stuff like that but wasn't really successful at the time in that tiny um, little like <laughs> coffin sized bathroom where you just go in yeah exactly yeah yeah and that like was a whole like i always say it's a catastrophe but it's not it was it was also a great year but it was just not the right time so now the time seems to be a little bit better for me and also meeting Adam who takes care of this whole part of what I've wanted to bring to the project. So when so you were, long. when you got this dream to build the arc, which is a, a trailer, stainless steel, aluminum, aluminum trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With yeah. A, a, I saw a sink. I've seen some folks can go and, you can give your links out at the end. I can't remember. I, f- I found it anyway, loads of photographs of when you were constructing it. So yeah, you had some help building it, but were you, um, 
had you visualized at this point, was it a fully formed concept that you would build this thing, then you would go touring around the United States with your 8x10 camera, mm-hmm. taking people's portraits? Yeah and, yeah, and for our, I would say readers, for our listeners, like just explain really briefly, like the photo arc, like how that came to be, the whys yeah. of it, like mm. the concept. Because right now, I don't think yeah. we've really gone into what the hell is the photo no. arc and what is this trailer. Yeah. So if we're going to do it. That's true. Probably yeah. explain, like, do it. what the F are we talking what is about? It? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the, the arc is a basically, I bought a seven by 12 cargo trailer and um, I gutted it, took the floors out. And then I insulated it fully and created a small office space and a dark room in the front of it. Um, and it has, it's like I can process and I can print in there fully. And, um, and I, I can't say it's like, you know, you have to set up. So it's like a 10 minute setup, maybe an hour to set up. Like you have to hook up to water. Um, but I do have a holding tank so I can actually hold water um, the gray water, the gray water yeah. when you're washing and stuff. But, um, and then it has solar that I installed and, um, power. So it's pretty much fully off grid besides the water thing. Um, so essentially if I have a hose, I can pretty much do anything I need to do in there. Yeah. And, um, and the, I had never built anything, especially of this size, I think the most I had done at that point was I built some drawers from the back of my truck. Um, so my kind friend Wolf agreed to build this with me. Um, I, I still feel like I kind of tricked him into it because I don't think he realized the scope of it. <laughs> um, but he ended up teaching me like welding and a bunch wow. of stuff about electric, a ton of stuff about plumbing. Just and also just, yeah, just right? like general yeah. fabrication, like pretty much anything you buy for the arc, I have to modify somehow. It does not matter what it is, like anything. Like even if it's just a freaking coat hanger, I find myself like <laughs> adjusting just, it. Yeah. But it, and it, yeah, and it's been, and it just, but then the ultimate goal was that I was just gonna hit the road. And, um, and I, again, I've been traveling alone for a long time. So I was fully prepared to do it alone. I didn't necessarily want to. And then the world, Tinder swiped yeah. this person. So, and it was, <laughs> and it was like, I mean, it was just, it was like the easiest decision to ever make was to have to you start to and just to go, do it together, yeah. which is why. Were you, were you going to do recordings of folks' stories, Monica, before you swiped right? Yeah, yeah, and the the portraits I had done um, from the RV. Um, those all had interviews and I would write, write things out. Um, okay. but I wouldn't really edit the audio that much. I mean, I've, I've like done some video stuff in the past, but I don't have quite that much patience to do it. Um, but the, but I would write quotes. So like that first set of images from, um, that was called looking forward portraits from an RV. Those were, there was like the portrait and then a quote, like more mm-hmm. classic way. But then, but always what I wanted was like, you go to a, my dream is that you go into like a gallery space and you like hear all these voices and you see all these faces and it all becomes this big sort of 
overwhelming sense of humanity or something like that. Mm, right. It's actually, um, dreamy, but interestingly, yeah. you should, do you know who Guile? I'm probably completely slaughtering the way he actually says his name because he's British. Um, Giles Dooley. If you know, you should probably Giles, probably Giles. Right. So he was a fashion photographer for some time, fashion, rock and roll. Um, And then he, long story short, he went, he he decided he wanted to start documenting the impact of warfare on the people who actually live there. Right. And Mm -hmm. so he was, I believe in Afghanistan and he'd also started to document the effects on soldiers as he was on a patrol with uh, embedded with the U S platoon. He stepped on an IED um, lost one of his arms from the elbow down um, and whatnot, but he picked up a he, he picked up a camera again and started a nonprofit. Um, and his gallery shows, though, more to the point, is he's like gallery shows traditionally are people come in one night, they see the work, and they eat free food and they drink wine and they go away, and that's yeah. it. He's like, they're, they're stupid. Um, <laughs> so for the work that he's doing, taking portraits of, of people affected by war, um, he actually brings in like refugees from Syria or Afghanistan or whatnot, who are artists who will play, who will like wow. compose a, a solo, a compose a violin piece for someone right there after having a conversation for them, or they'll do art with them. And then they'll have a big round table discussion and whatnot with the entire audience. Cause he's like, you know, um, sympathy is nice, but camaraderie is better. Actually, ability to identify Absolutely. with people and like have a connection is where you get real change, right? And anything else is is just I love British phrase is bollocks, right? Um, and so he's that's what he does. He shoots one handed. He still shoots film, like wow. he he holds it in the crook of his arm and he loads it and shoots it. Um, so, but more to the point is your like multimedia piece with like you hear the voices and you see the people in the movement. That's that's kind of what he's after, but he actually brings yeah. people in. That's um, really so. Cool. Yeah, he's he's obviously had a I'll lot to, to say in the last out. week as well. He should. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So. I'll definitely look that up because yeah. that. I mean that. I don't know. There's something about hearing, and then also something about the, like with the eight by ten. I'm just doing contact prints. But there's something so beautiful about having this like physical print in your hand and then hearing that person speaking to you. And even though they're not moving, I just feel like you start to get a, a really strong connection with them. And like you said, I mean, the, the conversations are how things can change or shift, I think, or I hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really believe in those conversations, whether we even record it or not, those yeah. are the most important moments with any of these people are just the talks and look ahead please Adam. i was just going to say that you know going back to talking about speaking in with these folks before we take the the portrait they don't even see the camera until we've interviewed them yeah right so you know we'll sit with them for an hour sometimes longer for some of it's been like almost two hours so we you know overall since we showed up and chatted and recorded and then they see the camera so they really have no expectation for what that process is like. And it's, they're so, they're, so I think that that helps them be you know, a little bit more centered and focused mm-hmm. on, you know, being able to sit and think about the story they just told us for the, when they're having their portrait taken, instead of the whole time we're talking to them, they're like, 
Uh, that the, they're just staring at the eight by ten or something. Like yeah, that, the right? giant, yeah. the giant thing yeah. pointing at them. Yeah. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it must yeah. be quite powerful. I mean, so this project is it called Portraits of? Well, it's a clever title because it's like I read it first of all as saying Portraits of Us, but of course it's not. Is it yeah. Portraits of? Is it Portraits it's of Us it or Portraits us. of yeah, US? It's us. It's however That's you so want to interpret it, but I do us. I think we're still calling it a working <laughs> title. Yeah. yeah, we do Portraits. like it, but we're not. It's still a working title, but I think it it seems to be working for what it what I'm hoping it will continue to turn into. Because I really, feel, I mean, it's this is like I see us doing this for the next you know five six years, if not probably the rest of my life or something. But wow. um, to an extent, because I don't I, I don't really see just my life. I don't know why you looked at um, Monica then. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, because I don't, I mean, how do you, this country like fascinates me and always me has, and I've, you know, I've driven around it so many times and I've, and I've watched the news and I've listened, you know, I listened to all this anger and this hate and I just don't, I don't understand where, where we got it so wrong or something where people can be so angry at like each other when we are everybody i mean there's a a lot of my friends historically have you know i I talked about america before i even went i first went in 2012 and said oh i I don't like america or i don't like americans and i said well particularly after i've been once or twice i said look you can't say that because this is you know we live in a a postage stamp compared to, you know, like an A3 sheet of paper. That's probably the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you could go back, I could go back every year for two or three months and still not see all of it. Mm -hmm. And in the days that I have, uh, in the days that, uh, that we have left. And, and in that journey, you, you meet all sorts of different people with all sorts of different views. And some of them, yeah, will be angry. But some people are angry here, you know. We've got yeah. we've got our fair share of angry yeah. people, you know, and yeah. we've got our fair share of lovely people. And yeah, it's I mean, just, we have, it's just we have people here who've traveled a bunch, right? And it's really interesting, like the difference between the online persona versus the in-person persona. Yeah, like, even now, absolutely. with American is America is essentially a bipolar, feels like a bipolar <laughs> society, right? Like yeah, it's yeah, and liberal, and there's no middle ground, and both sides are just saying fuck you to both, right? But you go yeah. out and you travel and you meet folks who are in um, air quote that camp, and they're like, "Do you need food? Are you cold? Do you mm-hmm. do you need a do you want to sleep on my couch? Do you need a ride? Like, is everything okay? You know, like where are you going?" And they they're very genuinely want to engage naturally engage yeah. and be like yeah, the nicest the- folks ever. Yeah. Uh, Part of it is probably because where you know where I've needed help when I'm cycling, but that you know the most of the people that um, helped me in any way, especially on that trip to the south, were the most genuinely kind people. Are you know bigger picture probably not folks that, that were probably not on the same page you know, mm-hmm. on a lot of issues. But yeah. mm. the hell does that matter in that situation, right? And um, it's also kind of why. I mean we. I would say intentionally that the questions that we ask people are not at all related to, and they're not at all political. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of other folks that are out there doing that kind of um, 
uh, or if it's focused on some sort of social justice or some sort mm-hmm. of political aspect, like or a specific group of people, or, or yeah, exactly. That's being done. It's being done very well, and we don't need to do that. Yeah. So you know, we're really just asking anyone we meet, wherever they're from, whatever their background is or their views are, tell us a story about you and about something that happened to you in your life, um, and or. Um, you know, if we're in a specific community, you know, what's your sense of connection to this place? Like, what, you know, what is this, you know, why is this your home? How long has your family been here? That kind of stuff. Well, you can actually mm-hmm. think of, if you think about it, the act of um, human, overtly humanizing someone, right? Uh, from a place that, that you would think you would be like completely you know, opposite of them and their experience, their political views, their social values, whatever. But humanizing folks in that scenario is one of the most overtly political things you can do, right? Because in in today's, at least America's again, we're, we're, we're completely batshit over here. Um, although every once in a while I tune in and I watch like the British Parliament go at it and it's... <laughs> Amazing. We've got, we've got Boris Johnson. How much more yeah, back? Sure. I wish, I got a good wish one over we there had too. that system because they, like to have them actually get up and grill the president and force him to stand up and respond live. Yeah, but he never answers the question. He just no, lies. no. It's it's great theater, but it's also a fantastic mm. form. Anyways, um, <laughs> but to, but I've been watching a lot lately. So I was like, oh my no, god, great fun. <laughs> um, oh. But but to actually like humanize because that's to a certain extent what the leadership of neither side really wants you to do. It's much easier to retain power when you don't talk to people on the other side. It's much easier to have consolidated power bases when the people that part that are part of that voting block have no choice but to listen to you because they hate the other. You know, a really common refrain here in the States, obviously, is like, I hate the the company. Sorry, I, I hate the party leadership, insert your party here, but I hate the other side more. Right. 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 And so you're, you're That's constantly voting for yeah. lesser of greater evil. And, and if we could all realize that, like, we all hate our respective sides, leaderships, like the f- up, that, but that, maybe we should all get together and toss them all in our ass <laughs> and actually talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. But you can't do that if you don't we your head done. out of this, like, cloud of bullshit that we're constantly being, being, <laughs> being given. Right. Yeah. And we just went from a photography podcast to politics. Uh, well, I know. Well, I was going to just, just before we before we lurch away from politics, um, there was a few in 2010, we entered a period of coalition government in the UK. You know, the conservatives and the liberal Democrats So the liberal Democrats, the guys who sit on the fence. Well, that's how they're perceived, you know. So you've got the conservatives, which are strangely colored blue as far as you're concerned. So they're the more right wing and the right. reds are the the more left-wing although you know over time they're kind of merging a little bit and then you've got the liberal democrats who get squeezed in the middle but the the outcome of the general election in 2010 was you know the 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 tories and the and the and the liberals and um labor got pushed pushed out before that and and even now it's two-party system a bit like yours really and and i I was joyful, and a lot of people weren't joyful because you know they said, "Well, nothing will will be a load of compromises." I said, "Yes, exactly. They've got to, you know, exactly, you know." Yeah, and they've they've got to talk to each other. Now it all ended miserably because you know politicians are politicians, and (laughs) we won't probably see another coalition, unfortunately, for a while. Plus, we don't have a proper democratic voting system anyway. You know, it's not. But anyway, yeah. we're we're straying way off the off the subject of large format photography, 
um, yeah. por- portraits and sound recordings. So, yeah, was, guys, go ahead. Go on. You can, I had, well, I had a yes, you ask your question first. It's okay, fine. sorry, Adam, because yeah. I struggle with this all the time. Um, when you're recording interviews, right? Um, like I'll later have to because I do print. I have to go back and I have to like sort of moosh all of like this, the ums and uhs and thes and like. I don't know, um, tangents, which I never go off on, like down into like two or three paragraphs of substantive, like comp, like statement. Right? right. But if you're going to do audio into like a podcast or YouTube or, um, or like gallery show where people come in, they see the video and the audio and then the portrait, how do you like condense that audio down to something that makes <laughs> sense? Cause you've got two on two hours uh, of just like blathering, like we're about to do. And we don't bother to edit. Shh. Uh, you're making <laughs> Simon. Well, Simon's got to do some bleeping on this. A little bit of bleeping. I still family because I try to you, see Simon it? the work. You potty um, mouth. For potty I don't know. So, but but I mean, so how do you the do first, that? Yeah, uh, it's hard. Um, the first, so you know that that kind of you know meandering kind of preamble stuff. Um, I think is actually pretty important because so we don't you know we have all the re- all the recordings all the interviews that we do it starts with them saying their name and where we are. That's just how, that's just how everything starts. Uh, that often doesn't happen until maybe half an hour, 45 minutes into us sitting with them. So a lot of the kind of, you know, and, and a lot of times the first half an hour is them going, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> you live in a what and you do what? So, you know, we have that, that kind of meandering talk is I can just go in and, you know, if I remember something good that was said in that first 45 minutes, I can find it. But I often will just go in the audio file and go, okay, that's what they said their name and just lop off that first 45 minutes. But you know, I usually try and edit them. You know, I let it sit for a few days, but I try and edit it before too long so that I have um, some idea in my head still of what how I want to tell their story and what that thread is throughout the interview. And so that I can do just kind of just start shaving off bits that aren't necessary to that story or parts of the story that, you know, they repeat four or five times, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then once I get that kind of condensed and pulling that story out of that, all that audio, then I will go in and get out, you know, smooth out the transitions and take out the ums and, and any language that we might not want in there. <laughs> And I do coach them and continue to coach us to uh, not to, if someone is saying something and you agree with it, to just quietly nod at them and not talk over them. Um, And uh, I'd say a lot of that is from uh, just being around, you know, being around my dad who had to do that all the time when he was working radio, right? Most of his stuff was live. It was a live talk show, but he was also doing recorded pieces and podcasts and stuff like that. And then I also had to do that in high school at that radio station. I would take, you know, I would have to edit together uh, audio pieces that other high school students had done. So uh, if there's ever a challenge, it's editing audio that like a 15 year old has recorded. Right, it's, I mean, it's full of tangents and ums and ahs and stuff like and right. licks and stuff like that. So it, it I'd say it definitely gotten better. Um, a huge, I think. Uh, I mean, it almost felt like a boot camp when we were in Rochester. Uh, we had 
what, four days? Yeah. We were there for four days. And in four days, we uh, interviewed, photographed, edited, processed and printed um, portraits and audio for 15. like 15 people. Wow. Um, and so that kind of turnaround, I was, I mean, well, it was a little easier because we only talked to them for like 20 minutes a piece. So some of them only, you know, they're like, like a, a minute, minute long, but yeah, condensing that down is, I mean, it's a, a skill I'm constantly practicing, but I kind of just in my mind have an idea of what that narrative is that they're trying to tell us and how I can just whittle it down. And it, that's part of partially it's really helped by the fact that we are asking them to tell us a story right. that has a beginning, middle and end. And so if we're on that story and they go off on a tangent and come back, I can just, I don't need anything from that tangent, right? It's very linear. And so I can just find that line in and edit to it. You did a series of interviews. Well, I think it was a series of interviews, maybe in, in at least one high school school with some youngsters. Um, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, that was and, and mental Monroe health. Mental, college. Is that what? Yes. So there was yeah, seemed to be a bit of a theme of mental health, which is just a real issue with young people wherever you are in the world. In the and who can blame them with all the all the nonsense that they have to deal with and pressures and social media. And I know it's a bit of a truism to blame social media, but it clearly does affect them. Oh, massively. Um, oh, it does. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah, well. and it and it, it does. Um, so did you, when you went to the college, this is going to lead me on to a bigger question about how you're planning this trip, but when you went to that college, um, did you have any expectations of what the conversations would, uh, would, would be about, or do you just go say, well, Mm -hmm. tell us a story that has a beginning, a middle and end and mental health is just a big issue. So that's where they went. Is that how it kind of happened? Yeah. And I think it was a big issue for them because this was, uh, a lot of them were the 2020 class. Yeah, graduates. they had graduated high school in in full lockdown. They'd started college. Some of them were at their second college, in you know, totally over a totally virtual environment, um, and uh, you know they were much more uh, emotionally aware than I feel like I was, um, and you know who knows if that's true if I was that emotionally aware at that age, but they were very, uh, very articulate in what they wanted to say and they knew what they, and, and how they wanted to, you know, convey all those emotions. But we had no idea really going into it. That's what that would be, or that's how many people we would talk to. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting when they, like, when they would leave, cause they would, we were doing all the interviews inside of the arc and like they would leave and Adam and I would just be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe they can even, look at themselves like that far away from themselves and realize, Hey, I need to be happier or, Hey, I need to be more aware of this in my life and change this. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was very inspiring to me. Yeah. And I think we asked a couple of them, it was like, do you think that, you know, you're, you know, that this kind of, you know, self-analysis that you can do is that is part of that because you have been going through this time in COVID and in isolation. I think that they mainly said no, but I'm like, it, it, it is. It definitely is affecting that because they kind of are forced. I mean, we all are, but they're at this very pivotal point in their life and they're forced to step back and look at it, you know, in a different way. And so it really led to some awesome. Yeah, it was really some cool. Awesome interviews. Cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, the ones I looked at earlier, 
and had a brief listen to seemed uh, very powerful. So we'll uh, we'll recommend folks to go and take a listen to those later. So I've got three kind of big questions I've written down here. How do you plan your well? How are you planning it? What route you follow? And how are you funding it? We kind of touched on that, didn't we, with influencers and Instagram? <laughs> so funding, all my listen, all our listeners are going to say, ah, "How are these guys paying for this?" Uh, uh, fund, well, how are you know, funding it? How are you planning it? And what route question. are you following? We know you're going to keep doing it until you're old and grey. So, <laughs> which is going to be a long time from now, because you're both <laughs> yeah, obviously yeah, young, younger than um, younger than Andrew and I. And, uh, <laughs> you want? Yeah, we um, the route right now, so the route and funding it kind of go hand in hand at this point. Uh, um, Cause we started to apply to a lot of residencies that have stipends or grants that offer some kind of, you know, support. And um, that's where we're heading. We're going to Savannah and there's a residency there at sulfur studios. So like that is a situation where we're kind of supported in the project there. And, um, and then we don't have a residency until September, which is one in um, Green Mountain Falls in Colorado. And that one's called the Green Box Artist Residency. And that one actually comes with a very large stipend. And that stipend is helping pay for some of the stuff that we're doing right now. So a stipend is um, like some money that, sorry, Monica, a stipend, just to be clear, is is some money that the residency people are giving you to do your stuff over a period of time. Yeah, and, that, and you and use that. that you use that. You use that for accommodation, or do they provide you with accommodation? Use it for food. These ones expensive? are providing it. I mean, Sulfur Studios was going to provide it, but we have dogs, so we had to get our own place. But um, and then Green Mountain Green Box also supplies housing and a studio and and a stipend. And then and then we're just. I mean, right now we're. This is still in such its infancy stage in a way. I mean, it's such a long process, but we're applying to grants. We're doing all that kind of stuff. But then we're starting to do these these workshops. I mean, next month will be the first time that we're going to do a workshop. And that, I'm hoping, is going to be a way to kind of help us kind of limp along. <laughs> yeah, as part um, of the residency in Savannah, we're doing two um, workshops with, I don't know if you saw the tweet yesterday, but with, with pinhole, we're making pinhole cameras with them. Um, and, uh, that's part of the residency and they're, you know, kind of a suggested donation to cover the costs, but it, it would be nice to translate that into something that we can do more regularly and across the country as, I mean, just twofold as a way where we can continue to do this financially, but also the whole point, a huge point, part of the arc and what we're doing is community involvement and, you know, engaging with the communities that we're driving through and so to be able to um not just photograph and interview people but to also um teach and educate along the way would be really important we um we had on the podcast a while ago now brendan barry who uh, if you're not familiar with brendan barry he turns things into pinhole cameras on a large scale so he went and turned the top of a building in in new york into a camera obscura but in London, he built a, he took a shipping, I think it was a shipping container, really, and he turned it into a dark room and a workspace, and it, it looked like a big Polaroid camera. And folks in the park or in London or who knew about it would come and interact with him in that, and he'd have their, That's and he'd make cool. port, pinhole portraits of them. Uh, yeah. I think it was still pinhole portraits at that point. Um, and then he made a little exhibition space inside 
you know, inside this like little studio space when he opened it yeah. up to the community. Yeah, and that's like a big part of it too. When we finish, you know, our month wherever we are, we're doing like a pop up where we're showing the prints and we're hmm. sharing the work with the community so that they can kind of. And like when we finished in North Hero, Vermont, it was so cool because the librarian like emailed me a couple weeks later and she was just like, I think we're going to continue this process of like gathering stories with each other. And I was just like, yes, like that is what, you know, you keep talking like we can leave. But if you guys just keep talking, right. yeah, and they, that would you know, be that's like a dream. Get, yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> and when we as we leave, like, you know, those communities, um, at this case, the gallery and the the li- well the library in that town in Vermont they got they got copies of the prints and they have digital copies of the audio, and so that stays with you know the library or the institution or the historical society um, in these in these places that we go. So they get to keep a bit of that kind of you know it's it's oral history mm. in, a, in, it a, is. in a way right. they get to keep that. Yeah, so that's the so we're so you, we're still figuring out the money shit, but. Yeah, I mean, when we've someone, been on you know, savings and it's, someone's like, you know, how do you make money doing this? It's like, well, I mean, we, we don't. Um, but we will. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's. I mean, we have to because this is our yeah. house and, yeah. you know, yeah, you it's not like choice. we have much else to. Yeah, yeah. this is it's going to it has to work. Like, I just, So you're living when you're on the road in between residencies. So you've, you've been in a residency. You try, you know, you've sent Adam out to work at the local pizza hut. To, um, <laughs> do a few do a few shifts I'm thinking about it why not you know uh, and then you hit the road yeah. a bit because maybe you haven't got another residency for a few months um you're living on presumably either money you've squirreled away from time in the residency or maybe if you do workshops on the road you know you can at least begin to pay for some gas fuel and gas mm-hmm. money and whatever and um, we also have a patreon well yeah we so you can have followers have- you can you've have- Stuff like that. That's a big yeah. thing. You can you can you can give a shout out for Patreon at the end as well yeah. of the of the interview with us today. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's tough, isn't it? So you're you're kind of living on faith. But I think I think you know you're. Um, <laughs> it's going to be word of mouth, isn't it? You're going to be in one place, and things will. Uh, you you know I know that things will unfold for you in a really positive way. I'm sure of it. Because the more it's like six degrees of separation, the more you talk to people, the more they go off and talk to someone else. And so it will go full circle, I'm sure. So, And I kind of love the thought, too, of just kind of going from like small. There's all these small art centers kind of all over the country and Mm -hmm. just going hopping from all of them would be really cool to do a a workshop there and then hang out in that area for a minute and. Mm And, you know, and I mean, we're going to have to start heading west because it's easier to sleep for free out there on BLM land and stuff like that. So we're planning on that. And east, it's a little bit harder to find free campsites and things like that. So yeah. you, um, west, it's much easier. Who's the guy who was in the, the film Nomad? He's actually a, a he formed he's yeah. got his own following, hasn't he? Bob, Bob. someone's name, Bob, yep. beardy guy, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's great. Uh, I learned well, a lot from to him. Love to photograph that community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've so followed him um, for so long. He's so great. There's, you should meet up with him. After it'd be, I'm sure it'd be, I'm sure it'd be open to meet you. I think he's got. He appeared on the British TV just recently in a little mini series that uh, a British comedian comedian called Sue Perkins. She was doing a road trip in uh, in a, in a little mini RV, 
and she just i mean it was very sanitized you know so it was like road trip across america and she met up with him in the first episode and he seems to it was in the desert somewhere and he seems to have like a little mini discipleship of any one time two or three other rvs that are kind of with him you know yeah. and he's now got this huge instagram following which i guess then starts to generate revenue as well you know no he's uh, like he's really i think nomadland that movie definitely helped him a lot probably yeah, but he yeah. even before that his i mean i went to his blog a lot for help to learn how to live you know without a proper roof and plumbing and electric. So, and he has a ton of really awesome tips. And then mm-hmm. also his Patreon is really good too. I forgot what it's called, but his, like they just have just a ton of people all living that way. His community is really strong. Yeah. It's really yeah, incredible. It's yeah. Great. I really like him a lot. I think he's doing a lot of really good stuff. So you can always go and work for Amazon in the winter time. Yeah. Uh, actually that's a photo series man i've I've, actually thought about that i really really wanted on the butterfield trip to if there was an amazon warehouse that was on the route because there's always rv parks near them now because of Mm -hmm. essentially retirees who've retired and bought rvs and lost all their savings in the last several financial crashes and have no retirement and so they're forced to forced yeah. to find work and the Amazon seasonal work is one of the things that they do. And it's become so prevalent that literally like RV parks have sprung up near Amazon warehouses and distribution mm-hmm. centers solely for so th- retirees. That who, was how it was depicted in Nomadland. So that's, that's reality yeah, as well. As that it is huge yeah, yeah. reality. Yes, I desperately yeah. would love to shoot portraits yeah, in yeah, those communities. Really strongly thought about that you. would be f-ing it. Pardon. Oh, sorry, Simon. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those stories would be out of world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you I think of like the gallery setup, you could set up like a gallery that's sort of like a, a campsite as well. Yeah. You know, like do a whole installation. Or do one at the campsite for them. So yeah. So they can all see yeah. absolutely community. So yeah, when you're in, when you're in between that. when you're in between um, art centers or residencies, are you sleeping in your truck, the thing that's pulling the arc, is that? That's what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. That's, that's where we've been the last few months or two months. I mean, that's what we've been working on since end, uh, end of October is building the, the camper that's on the, right. on the truck. Yeah. So you're in, in North Carolina the winter now. We were building it. Yeah. You're in North Carolina now. So w- w- are you, you're not in your truck now, are you? You're no, in a, we're in a, a <laughs> we're at a, it's a, what's it called? Wellspring Mountain. And it's, um, they used to be a herbalist school before COVID. Like they used to have people come out here and learn. And then now they're kind of turning it into like a hip camp. Airbnb. Airbnb. But it's this awesome, like 400 acre area. And they want to have artists come as well. Yeah. Before we leave. And we've just been here sort of, I've been fixing up some stuff in the arc and then I've been, we've been fin- finishing the camper and getting ready to leave again, but we haven't been shooting a lot. No. Um, mainly because we've just been building yeah. and fixing and also catching up. I mean, it's like you, you know, I guess that's kind of how it always goes in the winter. You kind of like are you, um, down and edit. what materials are you using? Cause eight by 10, unless you buy x-ray film, which you might be using, I don't know. Um, film, you know, not cheap. It's not it? cheap. No, no, it's not. I use Arista film 
and okay. I'm just using Arista 200 or 400. And it's been working great for me. A lot of people have thoughts on it. <laughs> um, and I use, um, I'm sure it's fine. I have sort of a huge stock of chem that I've had for a long time, but I use um, okay. HC 110 and then I use uh, D76 is the other one that I'll mm -hmm. use. But, and that, but yeah, the film thing, generally wherever we shoot, they buy a box for us and that helps. <laughs> So they provide me with the material and then I'll That's if you're in like a residency situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Otherwise, and then I often have quite a lot left because those yeah. boxes come in big, big batches. So that's good. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, was that what you meant? Yeah, I think so, more or less. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but so do, when you're, how are you finding um, places to end up at to make the portraits? So, are you aiming for residencies or would you say, would you just stick a pin in a map? Would you do research? Are you relying on word of mouth? People saying, Hey, you guys should go kind here. Both right now. How did you end up it's, at that college? For instance, you know, that so was, a, mouth, yeah, that was word of mouth. And then, um, North hero word of mouth. Savannah was a residency. Yep. So, so North, so hero Vermont, North hero Vermont was the first place that we did the project as like a, cohesive like you know we show up in a community and, and do that and that's uh that was through her mom had a connection you know she was showing at a gallery there and explained what we were doing and they're like well can they initially it was like we're gonna fly and you know see your folks and drive up with her mom and see and then they're like well can the art can they just drive the arc out they're like oh, we're, oh yeah sure <laughs> you know we're in like central oregon at a forest service campground and we're like yeah i guess we're gonna drive across the country in two weeks um, oh, yeah. um, and so that's how we ended up there. And, uh, and then, you know, the next stop was Rochester at the school where you had shown. I had shown work there a couple of years ago after, um, when I was living in the RV. So at RIT uh, or no, it was, um, Monroe community college and they okay. actually have a really beautiful gallery there. And Jason Flack is the, um, I don't know what he, I guess he runs, well, he runs the whole photo department and I think he runs the gallery now too. And so he, he was like, you're coming out East. Do you want to come here? And I was like, yeah, that would be great. So, and that was such a, that's, and I think now we're going to start like sort of, you know, if people have ideas, we want to go to colleges to do that. Cause I think it's a really cool. And building your social way. media, building your social media presence on Twitter and people, you know, you'll yeah. grow, your network will grow, won't it? I'm sure it will. Yeah, yeah it's just sure. being patient. I have to be patient. I have to be patient. Adam's very patient. I am not patient. Um, because <laughs> You're patient about other things. I'm ba yeah, yeah, I'm patient about other things. But, the you know, nothing's ever happening fast enough. But it's also when I look back at the fact that we only started this in June oh. or, like, really living like this since June or July, it's like yeah. this is going a lot, a lot of, good. A lot of We're doing okay. And we've yes. had to, you know, rebuilding your house in the middle of it, in the middle of winter is also changing, making things a little complicated sometimes. Yeah. So. Yeah. But it's all, you know, everything has essentially been a word. Of, I mean, even in some ways, the residency is a word of mouth because I think we, did we find Savannah? Yeah, I found Savannah. Yeah. But Greenbox was someone else. No, I found, well, Green I mean, box. well, yeah, but through, a, I mean, just, just yeah. an organization. I just mean list. that it's, you know, it's yeah. all these different connections to either 
where we end up or the residencies or grants that we end up, you know, applying for. Because I'm constantly just looking at like those websites that just list all of them and then you see what might fit and then you apply. Well, look, I'm, I don't know about Eric, but I'm really jealous. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to my, my three month road trip in America in, in four years time pales in, well, you know, if you're still, if you're still doing this, we will find you. Okay. Oh, wherever, wherever, wherever <laughs> is that you a are, threat? Is that a promise? We will hunt you down. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll have to. It would be incredible. And we will well, still be doing this one way or another. Can, um, and I, and, I'd and even if we're to, not I'd still as mobile, a, the art is going to be parked somewhere and set up. So yeah. I'd love yeah. to be a subject and do a, yeah. an audio chat with you. That would you be awesome. Are definitely a subject, Andrew. so i think well look this is a hugely inspiring project and thank you so much for um for agreeing to to come on and relaunching the lspp and um, you know i think i think even without simon it went fine didn't it eric we didn't uh, (laughs) we haven't we haven't finished yet we've got time to my heart is still still breaking for lack of simon <laughs> yeah and his film noir he always brings like oh this 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 time i'm bringing this special funky lens under my camera and he's got this like beautiful background and like bokeh and like every time it's something different and it's like with well, this it's like it's like discussing um vintage like lenses with simon is like discussing fine wine he's like well this one and it's like <laughs> yeah, simon, and i say that with nothing but affection simon oh, yeah. does another podcast well he did you know before he gave podcasts up um, called the Classic Lenses, Classic Lenses podcast, and uh, it's really entertaining. And there's uh, yeah, three, three, three of them. You think nerding we're nerdy, nerding, nerding listen to the them. Classic Lenses podcast, mm. and it's just like whoa, yeah. whoa. Got dude. a specific just Russian that name lens. Intimidates me. He could so. probably yeah. talk. He could probably <laughs> talk to you about every single Russian lens that came out. You know, how many <laughs> blades, glass yeah. coatings, like oh my god, sample yeah, variations. Like way more technical than <laughs> right. I'm like, ooh, that's pretty. We we did really well because we've barely we've barely touched on um, on gear. But what you could do now, you're both members of the Large Format Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can share some, you know, share share a picture yeah. of the camera. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. get off no, on I pictures totally of will. cameras. <laughs> I, would, I would be happy to. That yeah. sounded wrong, Andrew. It really wrong. Did. Yeah. <laughs> so where can um, where, where can people? find you follow you throw money at you and all that <laughs> sort of everywhere <laughs> no we got a, we got our branding with blessings uh, or money sorry adam yeah we got our no i was just saying we got our branding uh, down early all of our social media is just at nomadic photo arc um i would and i would say you started our website first yeah. probably nomadic um and from there you can find the shop and the patreon if throwing money at us is what you want to do um <laughs> And then on, on socials, Instagram and Twitter, we have a TikTok account too, but I'm not 15, so it doesn't do very well. <laughs> Who does um, TikTok? Who does it? I don't, which of you two is a TikTok-y, TikTok person? So in that, you know, speaking back to the question about editing down audio, so all the, all the TikTok uh, videos that I post in the reels, I've then taken the interviews and edited them back down to one minute. And okay. so that's another huge challenge that's been a good exercise in editing is um breaking them down either telling the whole story in a minute or pulling one minute out that i think is interesting um but instagram and and you know uh twitter are probably the most uh active active well not necessarily active but the best way to just kind of see what we're what we're doing as people and then the the website 
is the best showcase of the of the work with the eight by ten and the interviews yeah. that, that we and produced. I'd yeah. thoroughly recommend folks go there and listen to some audio and look at the pictures. Yeah. It's uh, well worth it. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee or some nice Earl Grey tea, whatever floats your boat, and uh, spend some time with the portraits and the audio. Um, but share what you're doing. Keep keep us up to date in the in the oh, Facebook well, group, you. please. Mm-hmm. You know, please um, share where you're at. Don't you know? Be mercenary. You know. Yeah. Say we're here. You know. Don't come be and, mercenary. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's a, it's a great what is the that? group. Of, Can you explain what that means? Actually, yeah, same. You just lost me. <laughs> Sorry, what did I was say? Is that a British thing? Yeah. Be mercenary. Don't be mercenary. Did don't I say? Be... Uh, well, uh, what I meant was be. Don't be shy about. You okay. Know, pr- that, that, that's that's that's. What I was like. Yeah. Sorry. Don't be don't be shy about self promotion. Okay. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. No, maybe yeah, we can no. meet people out wherever they are. Yeah, absolutely, because we've got folks in the Facebook group from all over. So that if they know where you are, they can they can hook up with you. Speaking yeah. of showering money, um, because me and Eric don't want to give Simon any money to host the podcast, if you want to try and find us on our coffee account, right. you know, Simon says, well, no one's given us any coffee money. Yeah, but we haven't put any shows out. Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not going to give us coffee for sitting on our asses for four months. No, we don't like we don't, we don't deserve coffee if we're not working for Mumbling it. About it. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you go to coffee.com, somehow you'll find the large format photography podcast. We're not sure how. Uh, people do it, so we have people trust do in it. you. We have faith. Send, us, send us an email because we have a, a slot now and again called Ask Eric, and Eric's really good at asking. It's really the only emails. reason I'm here. So yeah, It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. Um, so that, that, would be, that would be lovely. Eric, where do folks go to see more of your work because uh, you're up to all sorts of exciting things uh, uh, shenaniganry um just pretty much just my instagram which is uh my name e-r-i-k-h-m-a-t-h-y and uh that's kind of it i have a website but who maintains websites nowadays i mean really nobody mm-hmm. like <laughs> nobody has time for that crap so you haven't got a tiktok account whatever that is uh, no i do not i might enroll my 15 year old son to do a tiktok mm-hmm. account for me but then he'll just roll his eyes mock me and go back to mm-hmm. whatever he was doing yep and if simon was already here, has we... one that's way more popular than ours one. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that he will not tell me about if he's smart so simon is um we'll we'll give him a shout out simon simon forster photographic um he'll make you a lens cap for pretty much anything you want yeah uh, so so go there and uh, he's even for the new Raveni lab spot meter you know um he's he's made lens caps for those so check he's out man. simon simon Germain. and you can find me on uh, warboys snapper at warboys snapper on twitter and instagram mm-hmm. pretty much so yeah. uh, what else have i forgotten to say um, I don't know, but I would like to, I mean, if, if we're done with the, well, first off, thank you both of you for yes, coming on. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really, really yes. soaked. Um, this is fun. And mm-hmm. although the tra- getting the trailer up my driveway might be a challenge, but you know, <laughs> we have plenty of parking at my spot. If you're ever in the San Francisco Bay area, the trailer yeah. might be a challenge. We'll, we'll have to think about that, but, um, cause we're up a little hill. 
Um, so thank you very much for coming on. And I'll email you later. There might be a, a local community college out here that has a ridiculously great dark room that a friend of mine runs her target. Oh, any, any connections like that? Yeah. Actually, Nicole from the Rolls and Tubes Collective. She runs yeah, I mean, if any listeners, college. if any listeners have got ideas where these guys might end up, particularly yeah. if there's like a or they know about residency or, or pockets of money for traveling artists or mm-hmm. know, artists in residence, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I uh, I joined the our personal accounts are in the Facebook group, but I believe that the ARC's Facebook presence is also in the the podcast Facebook group, so feel free to, you know, anyone can find us. Yeah, there you're there as individuals, aren't you? And you're there as a... As, a, as, the, as, as an entity. But I also would, I think, feel that we would be remiss if we didn't at least uh, just touch on, like... Because we, we get to live in this verified, a little bit of verified era where we're talking about photography and doing all this really cool stuff. But uh, the world is a bit more of a shit show this week than it usually is. So uh, nothing but for any of our listeners, if we have any in Eastern Europe and Ukraine mm-hmm. um, and even Russia. Right. But nothing but the utmost love and respect and admiration for the folks in the Ukraine who are like actively like 50 year old school teachers picking up arms. Right. Yeah. Um, and the incredibly brave people in Russia who are protesting, I think over 4,000 people have been arrested, which in Russia standing up to Putin is, is takes a lot of, of fortitude. Um, yeah. And then all the countries who are bordering Ukraine, who are taking in their refugees with open arms, Poland, Hungary, etc., cetera. Um, and all the countries who've been taking refugees for, for years now from Syria, Afghanistan, you know, Ethiopia, Africa, all those conflicts, because we shouldn't really just like, Take in the Ukrainians now and ignore the plight of those who've been fleeing for for over a decade now. Yeah. You know? um, so, and the photojournalists, because that's where I come from, who are currently in the Ukraine doing the work. Um, you know, God bless them and help everybody out there stay safe and just yeah. do what you can. Yeah. Well said, Eric. Thank you for saying that. Okay. Well, thank you, Monica and Adam. It's been a real pleasure and a delight. No, thank you. So. Um, We'll be back. We'll be back. A bit like the Terminator. I don't know when. Hopefully in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I know Eric's got um, Eric's got uh, at least one good guest lined up. Well, he says he has. So we'll I see. Have, I have two. Well, at least one. I had two. But I know at least one. Well, we'll see. I think it may, we might be on a monthly schedule. Schedule? Schedule. schedule. I, I say like schedule. Sh- you say schedule. Yes. It's the schedule for getting in the shed. Schedule. Schedule. <laughs> Schedule is a bit easier to say. But anyway, so we might be monthly. We're not really sure. Eric's super busy. Um, Simon's non-existent. I'm just semi-retired, so, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, say, we'll say goodbye and see yeah. you when we see you. Yeah. So, yeah, bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, don't forget, you can get a hold of us at, where can they get a hold of us at for email? Andrew, oh, we almost forgot. Um, oh, large, yeah. We'll see how professionally we're ending this show. I thought we'd this twice now. Large format photography podcast at gmail.com no Yahoo. the dog agrees yep. Yeah. yep yep okay if you want all to send right. us an email yep that's where they all send right. they ask Eric questions so we'd, we'd be remiss otherwise okay. and we right. may so, have some but we don't know because Simon has them and he, oh sure know. okay well yeah. Simon check there's those. another all right. <laughs> thanks everybody goodbye everybody. Bye, thank you thank Bye. you so much thank you guys Bye. Bye.